Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched Love and Basketball, which I think I kept calling In Love and Basketball. Or Me too. Love and Basketball. I was shocked to discover love and that it's just Love and Basketball. Truly for, I mean, this movie came out in the year 2000. So for 21 years, I've been calling it In Love and Basketball. Yeah. That's not what it's called. No, it's called Just Love and Basketball. No, it's called um, Love it, and Basketball. Don't add words and confuse our listeners who right now are like these fucking idiots. <laughs> Stars Omar Epps and Sanaa Lathan. And it was written and directed by um, Gina Prince, Prince Bythewood. Came out in 2000 and it holds an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. And we were able to stream it on HBO Max as of yes. this recording. We're going to add how we watched it because, you know, sometimes you guys want to watch the same movies and... It feels nice. Yes. I think that Love and Basketball has been on HBO Max for a while. It has. So I don't think I it's going it a lot. Yeah. Um, Allison, what were your predictions for this movie? I didn't have a ton. I don't know that I've ever seen this all the way through. I have seen it like when it's been on TV and I've seen it, I believe, at a dry bar. And that's it. Like that, like actors kept showing up and I kept being like, oh, this person. I mean, it's essentially the cast of half the cast of Best Man Holiday, Gabrielle Union and Tyra Banks, Alfre Woodard. Um, Tyra Paul Banks and perhaps her greatest performance. I, when I tell you, I gasped. <laughs> <laughs> also, Tyra Banks is a lot of things. A model, a host. An entrepreneur. Uh, she had her own talk show. Her skill set does not lie in acting, Mm-mm. as does a lot of the basketball players that obviously weren't Sanaa Lathan, were clearly like professional basketball players and not actors. And you could tell it was like Sanaa Lathan acting with actual basketball players. And like Sanaa Lathan, I'm sure, cannot play basketball as well as these women, but they cannot act as well as her. <laughs> it's just like, oh. Well, and so what's interesting is so I. Um, Sanaa Lathan like just coincidentally was on she was the guest on um, Keep It last week Keep It as a podcast um, almost every week but anyway she was their guest last week and they obviously asked her about love and basketball because I don't think at this point anyone interviews Sanaa Lathan and doesn't ask her about this movie it's a classic and she said that she kind of was like a last minute casting because Gina Prince Bythewood was wanted to cast, cast a basketball player who could act as opposed to an actress who they could teach to play basketball. Um, And the only reason she really got cast is because she had, when Gina Prince Bythewood was like workshopping the movie and the screenplay, she had done a reading and Sonali then had read the part of Monica. And so that's how she ended up being able to read when it did get made and ended up getting cast. But she was not really what they were looking for, which is interesting because I think you're right. Like that part of what is so good about this movie, part of the reason that it has such good reviews, part of the reason that people still point to this movie as like a cultural touchstone. 21 years later is because of her performance yeah like there's just no question about it Sonali is like one of the best she fakes the basketball parts of it well like there was no point in this movie where I like sometimes you know say the last dances among my favorite childhood movies but when you're watching it you can tell when it's Julia Stiles and when they cut away to the professionals um Mm -hmm. and this I I thought be it editing or however they sort of like trained Sanaa Lathan to look like a basketball player. I believed that she, I, there was no point in this movie when I like set, when I was like, Oh, I'm watching Sanaa Lathan pretend to play basketball. Like I bought into the character. I bought into her ability to play basketball. I, more so than Omar Epps, although not that Omar Epps didn't do that. I just, the entire time I was like, you're not tall enough to be a basketball player. <laughs> like, you, you cast you because you're Omar Epps and you're a good actor and you're very handsome and charming. And blah, 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 blah. We love you, Omar Epps, but also like, you're not a basketball player. 
but well, I think the other thing that's interesting, I there was no part, there was no point, particularly with Sonali Thin's performance, where I was where I questioned her ability to play basketball, and because she's also obviously a very good actor, like that I think made the character whole. Whereas when you had the like like her friends on the basketball team, the women who were clearly professional basketball players, but not actors, it, their parts were much smaller. So it wasn't that big a deal, but like, you can tell when act- actors, when non-actors are acting. Right. And I was I'm like, I think it's the right choice to have an actual actor that then you like train and camera manipulate and edit into looking like a basketball player when the role is somewhat emotionally demanding. We should say what this movie's about. <laughs> Yes. So, and then I have a thought about Omar Epps's performance because you mentioned his playing basketball versus her playing basketball. And I have thoughts, but first of all, this movie is about um, Monica and Quincy who grow up next door to each other. She moves in when they're about 11. I believe by young Kyla Pratt. What, what yeah, to our age great. Disney hive. Um, Better once truly an icon. So, Proud family, whatever. They grow up next door to each other. They both love basketball. Um, they grow up sort of playing parallel to each other. We see them at various points in their lives. We see them as 11-year-olds, then in high school. Then near the end of high school, they start dating and fall in love. She and takes her they- B card. They date very sweet little virginity taking scene. Yes. They date into college. They both go to USC. They both get scholarships to play basketball. They both go to USC. Um, things happen. They end up breaking up. They go their separate ways. And because it's a rom-com, maybe uh, because it's a, a love rom. story. Yeah. It's a definitely a love story. Um, they find their way back to each other. Um and it's it's definitely a love story. I it's I think much more uh, not much more, but more about her and her journey than him. And one of the things that I noticed or maybe paid greater attention to in this rewatch than I have before is that she has like a heart and a passion for basketball that he does not. He is naturally gifted at basketball. And his father is a professional. And his father is by, I said, the Allstate guy, that is a very rude way to talk about Dennis Habert's career. His father is played by Dennis Habert. (laughs) Right. And who's like a Clippers star. Yeah. So it's like, he's like a legacy basketball kid, whereas it's her dream. Correct. So, and he like looks up to his dad very much and so wants to be like his dad. And so he plays basketball and is naturally talented and very gifted, but we don't see him work at it in the same way that we see her work at it. We don't see him love it and commit to it in the way that we see her love it and commit to it other than sort of like the social status that it it brings him. Um, And so I think that it was interesting that you were saying like you bought her as a basketball player more than you bought him as a basketball player. And some of that I think is intentional. Not that we're not supposed to believe that Omar Epps is a basketball player, but we're not supposed to buy into his love of the game in the same way that we're supposed to viscerally experience her love of the game. And one of the thing, the other things that I sort of like noticed in this rewatch is how good the writing of this movie is, like how subtle some of the character development is and the ways in which like the performances and the writings give you these little moments that show you like who even the like secondary and tertiary characters are. There's a scene where, so Monica's older sister played by Regina, Regina Hall, Hall, who obviously is like one of our faves, but she little baby is, face Regina Hall. She is almost doesn't child. look like herself. She's so little. Yeah. Um, a child in this movie. Beautiful as but ever, but a she's child. supposed to be Monica's she plays Monica's older sister and she's supposed to be the 
like girly cheerleader who fits more sort of like the feminine mold and there's a scene where her sister and her dad are at her basketball game and Regina Hall is like clapping and singing along to the cheerleaders and it's like very quickly and efficiently and well does a very good job of telling you like who this character is and there's lots of moments like that and I think that like Gina Prince-Bythewood is talked about as a screenwriter. Screenwriter. Yeah, why did you you make that face? That's the right word. That's what my job is, Carrie. Just really second-guess myself there for a second. Boy, you're? I just was like, screenplay maker? I don't know. It's it's 9.30 p.m. (laughs) It's 9.30 p.m. Call Mr. Hollywood. We're calling them screenplay makers from now on. Anyway, she is talked about as a screenwriter, as like one of the great screenwriters because of these sort of like subtle things that she does. And I think that that is part of why screenplay makers. It was important. Wait, I'm making an important point. That's why it it was important that like, we really buy Monica as a basketball player and we see that and we feel that passion. Whereas that is not as important in the Q character, the Omar Epps character. That's true. I made a similar note about uh, how well-written this movie is. And the scene that did it for me was when they were not Omar Epps and Snot Lathan, when they were Kyla Pratt and a young child actor, I don't recognize. (laughs) Um, Not. He's, he doesn't have a picture on IMDb, which tells me like maybe didn't. Oh, he became acting. like he's like an ad sales or something. Like, yeah. He grew up and became a normie. He's the kid from Sleepless in Seattle. He's like, yeah, I work at a bank. I don't know, <laughs> right? Um, but when they were still children, they're written as children. I like. Mm-hmm. It's a very common thing in TV and movies. Like, I feel like it's a very hard thing to do to write children how they speak like we often get the like precocious kid that's smarter than her parents or um you know like Like the opening scene in sweet home alabama like the opening scene in sweet home alabama is an excellent example of writing children poorly (laughs) we love you reese weatherspoon and this they speak like 11 12 like whatever that sort of like preteen age they're at they talk to each other they talk to their parents they they have they're it's like and it's such a specific age because they're still children but they're trying to present like adults and I think it's probably a very tricky age to write and like I was like oh this is how those kids talk like there's a very cute scene where he has like clearly she's just moved in next door and he's like clearly formed a crush on her because she's like a little tomboy girl that can play basketball with him and he asked her to, I think he says like, well, are you my girl now? So you have to do this and this and this, like my mom does for my dad. And they're like having this like childhood, like childhood we're dating conversation. And like three minutes into it, she's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I want to do. And they, and, and then he like, they get in a little tussle and he pushes her to the ground. And it's like, it's just the, what happens in the scene, the way they speak their attitudes is that of preteen children. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was watching children written by an adult. I felt like I was watching two kids. And I think that's very hard to write. And like, so it was nice to early on in this movie be like, oh, I can settle in. This is going to be well-written because yeah. she's achieved this like difficult type of writing early on. And she does. <laughs> and then she, and e- but even as like, then they become teenagers and they speak like 18 year olds. They do not speak like, adults that virginity losing scene is very sweet and very genuine and it's also like there's not a ton of lines in it so I think a lot of it is the acting like Sanaa Lathan's acting as a teenage girl who's losing her virginity feels very real knowing that Sanaa Lathan was probably what in her like 20s when they made this movie like was not an 18 year old child Mm -hmm. and and as they age they're written differently they're written from children to adults in a really nice way also, it's a virginity scene in the year 2000 with affirmative fucking consent. Mm-hmm. He literally says to her, do you want me to stop? Not in a threatening or mean way. He's genuinely asking her. And she says, no, keep going. And then they 
and she loses her virginity. I love it. It was very cute. The other scene that I feel like is so well, I mean, there's so many really like just wonderful moments in this movie. I loved watching this movie last night. Like I just really loved this movie. I've always loved this movie, but for some reason it just like really hit like all the 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 check marks for me and it was like a nice yesterday. slow burn yeah it was just yeah, like a it's sweet a great, it's just sweet the, one of the scenes I absolutely love that I feel like again is just sort of like really wonderful character development and so subtle is so we see them in high school she's they're both basketball players she's this tomboy so she doesn't really fit in with the popular girls but he and she has an attitude is problem. like and she's got an attitude problem. Yes. Um, she's very like, quote unquote, aggressive on the court. And everybody keeps telling her she needs to like settle the fuck down. And she's she like, likes to argue when she gets a bad call. I love it. And she makes the point of like, when a dude, when a male basketball player gets fired up on the court, like everybody pats him on the back and is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when she does it, then she's told to settle down. Um, but anyway, so they sort of like run in different social cir- circles is the implication that we get. But then, so we, so we established that they run in different social circles. Then we get this scene where his parents are fighting and he is laying in bed and he gets up out of bed and walks across the side yard and knocks on her window. And there are no words exchanged to them. He just crawls in her window. She hands him a blanket and he go and he lays down on the floor and goes to sleep. And they're like 18 at this point. And there's so much that you learn in that scene where there's mm-hmm. no dialogue. We, it is clear this happens all the time. This is something that they've been doing since they were 11. There is this shorthand between them. And even though they don't run in the same social circles and they give each other a hard time, like they are best friends. And I mean, that scene literally is like, I don't know, a minute long. And yeah, we established long all of that. And it's, so sweet and so lovely and it's so well done both in the writing and I mean there's no dialogue but I just mean like in the like scene and and between the two actors both of them do a really good job of uh like nonverbal acting at various points like you have those scenes where he's like listening to his parents fight and then there's a scene later where Dennis Habert is telling him that like he's basically lying to him and saying like this woman is trying to claim a paternity suit and she's trying to trap him and then like the mother reveals like no I have pictures it's real like your father is not as I think we all learn at some point like our parents are not necessarily the heroes we thought they were as children like our parents are people and they have flaws and like I don't know I just think Omar Epps does a lot of good sort of like non-verbal acting in those scenes where he's like receiving information um of like a kid learning that his dad who was his hero is is maybe a more flawed person than he would want him to be um i've never like i, I haven't spent a lot of my life thinking about omar Epps. <laughs> I, as i you know maybe i should but like he's a he's a good actor i joked that he was not as good of a fake basketball player as she is but like his like their chemistry is really good and his performance is really good there's not really a weak performance in this other than the professional basketball players and poor sweet tyra banks um yeah but even like the professional basketball players basketball players and tyra banks like they do what they need to do like yes yes, none of them are like winning academy awards but tyra banks like her purpose is to be his hot fiance who she's jealous I mean, of she's so hot also and like she does that and like the basketball players are there to play basketball like everyone serves their purpose well yes also like those people are not professional actors and i think this was a time right. in the like late 90s early 2000s when we were like we're gonna make all models professional actors and it was like that's not where some of their skill set lies let tyra banks go host a reality show like, i don't say that like that sounds mean i mean that like genuine like tyra banks i think is a talented woman acting isn't it for her go let her accept the one major exception which is uh life size starring her and Lindsay lohan a classic uh, truly uh but you're absolutely right like she is playing hot fiance to like make sonal and jealous the basketball players are playing basketball like we're setting up a believable basketball but like the actors in this movie sonal lathan omar apps alfrey woodard obviously dennis habert regina hall Gab- like Regina Hall and Gabrielle Union have very small parts 
and they're both great. I said, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> was Gabrielle Union contractually obligated at this point in time to play this woman in romantic comedies? <laughs> to play, like, bitchy high school friend? <laughs> yeah. She does it great. She does it well. Yeah. There is a scene where, um, so Regina Hall sets uh, Sanaa Lathan up with, like, a friend of hers from college for Who's the that guy? He dance. was hot. Oh, I'll tell you who he is. I was going to say, he's from some show you love. I Googled him. He's Austrian? Yes. I had forgotten that about him. He is Austrian. He has like a very Austrian name. It's Boris Kajo, I think is how you say his name. There's just a lot of consonants in a row. (laughs) Yes. Um, That's, I had forgotten he's Austrian. That is true of his character as well on Station 19. Didn't think I could bring it back to Shondaland. I can He's on station never, 19. Never like Carrie. Always. Never doubt Carrie. I can find it. Oh. I can bring it back to Real Housewives. Carrie can bring it back to Shondaland. Yeah. Um, yes, he is on station 19. I had never really, I had not remembered him in this movie. I mean, he has a very small role. So I had been watching station 19, like not really having known him before in anything. Um, but he is very handsome very handsome very he's handsome in this playing like college boy who takes her to the spring dance yes he you can tell that he's now 20 years older um as opposed to some not lathan who's like not aged a fucking day um but like he looks very young as compared to now but he is still a beautiful man and a very good actor um take your word for it because the only scene i've watched in station 19 is the one where her friend will is in where he plays a man racist against italians shout out will allen <laughs> um but anyway yeah brought it back to shondaland so i've done my work here uh, but anyway so my point was that regina hall is setting her up with the is setting smiley then up with this guy for the her like senior prom which they keep calling a spring dance but um and Sally then's like, well, what did you tell him about me? And she said, I, and Regina Hall says, I told him that you look like me. And I was like, in what world do these two women look alike? It's like Julia Roberts and Catherine Zeta Jones playing sisters. (laughs) Like, we're just going to suspend reality and pretend that these two look like sisters. Who in uh, a couple years earlier have just played, I guess Regina Hall wasn't even in the friend group in Best Man One. She was just stripper at the bachelor party. Yeah, which originally was, say Lathan few... was supposed to audition for that role and then said that she wanted to audition for Robin. I'm getting all of this. All of my Sanaa like, Lathan, Lathan isn't in the friend group sex. either. She's in the Best Man Holiday, which I think we both established as our preferred of the franchise. It's the rare yes. instance where we do believe the sequel yes. is. Oh, you know who else shows up in this movie? Mia from Best Man. Yeah. In a which very, made me emotional. again, another small role. Very small part. Half the cast of Best Man and Best Man Holidays in this movie. Half the women, yeah. No, um, you know what? You know what I didn't need in this movie? A Tay Diggs appearance. Stay home, but, man. Leave it to these ladies. <laughs> um. Yeah, Sonali Lathan talks about how she originally, I think, was supposed to audition for the Regina Hall role in Best Man, and she talks about how, like, at this time, those three, like Gabrielle Union, Regina Hall, Sonali Lathan, like. If, if there was a black female character, like all three of them were getting called into audition. And so they like became friends. Like they are still friends because they just would see each other all the time and were up for similar roles. I mean, that's such like a classic, like acting trope. And then if you layer in the like early 2000s, no parts for black women, like they were probably all auditioning to play like best friend in random rom-com like, um and i'm glad that they've all established themselves as individual mm-hmm. successful actors because i enjoy all three of them this is a very feminist movie there's yes. and i i don't know that i expected the feminism i don't know i don't know why i didn't i don't know that i thought about it i just like and watching this this movie is about this woman monica sanaa lathan like accepting her skills which her mother Alfre Woodard who's playing sort of like a very traditional housewife and sort of like a very sort of gendered traditional woman who thinks her daughter should act feminine 
it's about Sonali Finn or this character growing up in that household when her passion is basketball and she's a tomboy and you know there's a rare amount of scenes where we see her like gussied up um Mm -hmm. and then there's a really good scene at the end where Alfred Woodard sort of like calls her on that and what she thinks of her sort of says like you think my life is small because I I run this home and like and they have this really like honest and fascinating like working woman stay-at-home woman argument where they both make really valid points and Mm -hmm. it's just like it's it's such a it's such a hard thing to do writing wise to like not if you're gonna write a movie about a woman with like career goals as this movie is she has dreams to play basketball it's hard to write that without just like shitting on women who choose not to work outside the home and vice versa and this has both of them sort of being like here's what i here's why i made the choices i made and both of our choices are are worthwhile and in the year 2000 it's just i don't know i just i like i didn't expect such like a of like a progressive view of I feel like in the year 2000 we were like in peak like women work like we have mm-hmm. the ability we should go to work like women who sort of what Sonali Lathan's character's point of view is in this movie which is like if you are a woman who chooses not to work and chooses to live off your husband and raise a family like that is a negative on you and Alfrey Woodard's character has sort of a like no I made the choices I made and I raised the family I raised and I'm happy for the yeah. yeah I mean there's so there's like this sort of like unspoken resentment that Monica has for her mother because she feels like her mother like put her dreams on hold and she's never like because of that like been overly supportive of Sanaa Lathan's dreams and I I agree like I had com- I knew that there was a confrontation about them at one point but I had kind of forgotten the content of it um and first of all i mean alfrey woodard is alfrey woodard among so like, the like a best we have like every single line reading is just spectacular um that woman like every word is intentional the woman acts with like every word has something behind it Mm-hmm. But still, she still speaks so much like a human. It's not that like actory thing where she's putting it all into every word. It's like every word has meaning and she still sounds like a normal person. It's really, <laughs> she's insane. Yeah. She's an insanely good actor. Um, yeah. And I agree about that scene. Like there's lots of really interesting sort of like feminist commentary in this movie you know we see a really stark contrast particularly when they're at usc and playing at usc we see a stark contrast between like where the men's team plays versus where the women's team plays their games and um when they get out of it she's playing in france spain she's playing in spain and he's playing in the nba right and And also just like some of the stuff she says about like what it means to be a female basketball player and, and sort of like the expectations of femininity um, that she hasn't always lived up to. Um, And then also, I mean, just to reiterate what you've said, but like then this movie also taking the space and the time to validate other choices that look different from the protagonist's choices and and I and even like even to some extent with like Hugh's mom we see like the the various choices that she makes and like choosing to stay in her marriage when she knows things have gone south and then choosing um, to leave her marriage and then choosing to leave her marriage and yeah financial repercussions for her like yeah and I think so there's a there's a lot of sort of like interesting sort of second and tertiary recitations on womanhood in this movie that um are really interesting and really sort of thoughtfully done um in the movie that actress the woman that plays Quincy's mom is not nearly as famous I recognized her from several episodes of original charmed where I believe she Mm -hmm. does play a demon if I'm remembering she's also gets her ear ripped off 
and that's how they vanquish her because then they have a chunk of her flesh a clash he's also like a lifetime christmas movie staple i feel like she just come christmas time you'll find her you'll find her hanging out in life at lifetime she's did very well in this movie and i also like i i think like we're talking about like it showing different it's this movie showed like two different families like you get the aspect that well alfrey woodard may have sacrificed some career choices in becoming a wife and a mother like their marriage ultimately seems happy Mm -hmm. um you know they both seem like two people devoted to each other and devoted to their children and sort of like you know their marriage seems happy and there's complexities in that but it's sort of like a nice lovely family whereas his is you know his dad is a professional basketball player who seems to have a habit of cheating on his mother and she's sort of like stuck in that marriage and do you leave because he's you know she's financially provided for and blah blah and it's just an interesting and none of them are there's not like out external judgment placed on any of them. Like we understand why both of these mothers have made the choices we've made. We see them become friends. We see, um, I don't know. It's just a nice like way to talk about like motherhood as the whole, like the way these two women have chosen their marriages and their motherhood and both are valid and both are different. And, and it's just, you're right. Like all of the parts have like nuance and complexity written into them in a really interesting way. Like even Regina Hall's character, who is like the girly cheerleader then grows up and becomes a mother. And all of that seems right for her. Like all of that scene, all of that seems Mm -hmm. valid. All of that seems right. Like motherhood and marriage are for her in a way that like at the time they're not first and only then she wants to be a basketball player. I don't know. Right. This, I, but I mean, in this movie, spoiler all, alert, spoiler alert, like we, the end is that like they end up together, they get married, they have a baby and she plays in the WNBA. Yeah. Like, and he sits on the sideline all, holding the baby while she's right. Having but a she, professional she basketball gets career. all the things that she wants. And I think that's another reason that this movie was like such a, has become such like a cultural touchstone um, is that it allowed its like its protagonist its female character to be enormously complicated and nuanced and have a relationship with an ambitious man without ever compromising herself and and then without giving up her dreams and ultimately he says like i don't think professional basketball is what's making me happy like i don't think this is what i want out of life right i think he even says like i think i'd rather go like work at a bank or do like do like I'd rather I forget what he decides he's gonna do but like we see a man be like this ambition I've been I've wanted and sort of been given to me my whole life isn't my ambition and then the last image is sort of like an implication that that he's the primary caregiver of their child and she's the professional and it's sort of like oh both like that's that's makes sense and is right for this couple and is right for this family and like, what a progressive world where he's like, yeah, I'm going to sit on the sidelines with a kid and cheer for my wife, a professional basketball player. Because <laughs> it wasn't well, and it's also, It also very much just like shows their growth. I mean, this movie like literally follows them for, you know, 25-ish years or whatever it is. And so the 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 arc and the growth like that is sort of like the perfect button on kind of like both of their arcs because I think you know the main conflict in this movie and you said like one of the nice things about the movie is there's no judgment placed on any character and that I think is true even in the conflict the sort of like climactic conflict between the central couple is that starts flirting with Mia not her name in this movie. Yeah, I mean, like, he he makes bad choices in terms of how he acts out his anger, but, like, his his anger is actually with his father, not with Monica, and then he projects it onto her. But, like, nobody's, like, wrong. Like, they both made choices that were right for them. They were both dealing with things that are hard to deal with whenever when but particularly when you're 19 years old 
and you're in like your first real relationship and the movie and I, I keep saying the movie, but like Gina Prince Bythewood, like her script, I mean, her story does a really wonderful job of not like, there's no villain. It's, it's just that these people are 19 and, you know, she is trying really hard to be something that she is desperate to achieve. And he is dealing with the fallout of realizing that the man that he has put on a pedestal didn't deserve to be on a pedestal. And they don't have like the emotional maturity to then also stay in a relationship with each other. And I, that, that, that's really like personally what I want in a romance story. Like, I don't want a villain. I don't want like one person to be the fuck up who then has to like make the romantic gesture because it's it's not as realistic, like real life and real relationships are that like, it's somewhere in between, like both people have points and both people are dealing with their own insecurities and traumas and whatever else. And you have to sort of like figure out how to navigate that together. Yeah. I think that like this what this movie does so well in not creating a villain is it creates two like very real people who are both flawed and mm-hmm. also like a lesser movie a, a movie that was written worse would have him like cheat on her and he'd be the villain and instead but I think this movie is saved by like him being a teenager like he is making those choices as a child and then we watch them grow up into adults like right. And as a child who, like, whose hero has going through something, right? Discovered that his father has been cheating on his mother, and maybe we never really get an answer, but like, maybe has fathered a child with a with his mistress. And I think this movie really benefits from, like, writing them. Earlier, we were talking about how it like writes them well as children and writes them well as teenagers. And this, in those scenes, it's writing him as a teenager. It's writing him as a teenage early 20s kid who cannot deal with his family shit and takes it out on the one person he has to take it out on and she can't take that on she has to the argument is that she's like I can't keep talking about this like we have a curfew for the team and I have to stick to my curfew for the team because I like that's why I'm here and and he's frustrated with that which is understandable but it's also like that's the choice like you're teenagers you each made you each made a choice and I, I think it, it's not sort of putting these like adulty stakes on these kids in a, in a way that's just like really understandable and nuanced and well-written. Right. In like a short space of time. We get a yeah. lot of good writing in a short space of time. Yeah. Yeah. Also like we've talked a lot about how this is like more rom than com, although there's a funny line right in the beginning when Alfred Woodard says like something I forget what the question is but like something to Sanaa Lathan of like when will you do this and she says I won't I'm a lesbian that's what you think isn't it (laughs) Sanaa Lathan there okay so like I think part of like obviously not a lesbian it's a love story with Omar Epps but like her delivery of that being like I know what you think of me because I play basketball I must be a lesbian right she has a lot of really funny lines and and there there are definitely like humorous moments in this movie I think it just it the reason it it doesn't follow it's sort of comedy. like the natural yeah and it doesn't like follow sort of like the natural or not natural but like the typical progression of like a rom-com um no we're like it's, truly it's just much, watching a relationship it's much more yeah. like naturalistic like this is this is a very naturalistic movie you're it's it has like not to this extreme, but it has like, it reminds me of a like before sunrise where you're like literally just watching two people live and interact with each other and how they interact. And obviously like before sunrise is over one day, like that's an extreme version of this, but there's not like intense story stakes. You're watching two people grow up together and apart. Yes. I I think like a rom-com is typically much more like plot driven and this Mm -hmm. is much more character and dialogue driven and then so I think that's why like it doesn't 
necessarily like fall into the the category of rom-com um but there are definitely like really funny moments there's like an early exchange between them in high school when she's like asking for a ride home and their exchange is very funny and very like cute um the way she talks about like Gabrielle Union has come up to her and given him given Gabrielle Union has come up to Sonal Lathan and given her like a note to give to him and she gives it to him and it's like and the way they talk about Gabrielle Union is like and talk about point of view like they are slut shaming this teenager but also like they're teenagers so the movie's position on Gabrielle Union is not look at this slut it's these it's like teenagers talking about right this other girl the way you do in high school um and it is like funny and cute and 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 like charming like flirting yeah yeah, I mean their chemistry is fantastic. They were dating at the time, so um they Carrie, had, like, I'm so natural... glad you listened to this. Keep it episode, save all this goth. Well, so she didn't tell anyone that they were dating because she didn't want people that to like influence the read on their chemistry when because he'd been cast. Like she I think Gina. Oh, they were dating when would... she got cast. Yeah, so Gina Prince Bythewood has sort of written Q with Omar Epps in mind, I think, or like maybe like when she got to the point where she was making a film, like she knew she wanted Omar Epps. So he had been cast and then they were trying to cast Monica and she didn't tell anyone that they were dating because she didn't want Gina or anybody else to think like, oh, they do have chemistry or they don't have chemistry because they're dating. Cause they're, you know, there's like all, everybody has a theory about like, if you're dating in real life, what that looks like. On I was going to say their chemistry is so good. It offsets that theory of like, which you're dating in real life, you can't have good chemistry on screen. Right. And so she didn't want that to influence her getting the job. So it wasn't until like halfway through filming that Gina was like, wait, are you guys dating? And they were like, uh, yeah, Gaming. sorry. Um, but they have fantastic sorry. chemistry. I mean, that scene, the like strip basketball scene in the dorm room is always sort of highlighted as like one of the like sexiest scenes. I mean, it's just so sexy. And also fun. Like that to me is like a rom-com scene, like strip basketball. Like that's how she sold this movie. She was like, at some point they're going to play strip basketball because they're hot and attracted to each other. And they're both good at basketball. And then at the end you have this other scene and we can talk about the final scene. I have thoughts. I feel like maybe Sonali then shouldn't have been as nice to him as she was, but basically she's like, I'm going to play for your, heart because in the strip basketball scene he's like i let you in and she's like no now we're gonna play for real and he like he like argues with her on it and it's like just like you just need to like be honest with tyra banks (laughs) right and with sonali then and also like she's apologizing more than i want her to apologize since you both messed up like i want you both to apologize but he apologizes too responsibility (laughs) he does he says like i not in that scene. I think he says earlier, like when she comes home from work and he like is out in the yard and they talk or whatever, he says, like, I was not emotionally mature enough to deal with everything. And, and you were the collateral damage of that. And yes, apologizes. Yeah. Because he's grown up and we're allowing people to grow and change from right. childhood, which is part of an aspect of this movie I love. But, and I, the other thing, like, about that last scene is I think it was is very rare and particularly in 2000s rom-coms to have like the woman make the grand gesture which is what this movie does like this movie's playing with in a movie about a heterosexual couple we're still exploring some like gender roles in a really interesting fun ahead of its time way yeah Um, the other thing about like the basketball scenes particularly the one-on-one scenes and the like strip basketball scene is that like we keep talking about Gina Gina Prince Bythewood's writing but also her direction is so well done like the way she shot this movie is really beautiful and like part of the reason that you feel like their chemistry and you feel like the sexiness and and the desire and all of that is because of the way that she's shooting them and and focusing on their faces and their bodies and like it just feels like a like a dance she it's just like really natural yeah she's a very good she's she's very good at what she does she made a very good movie we have limited criticism 
I have like very little criticism. Because much like the beginning of the pandemic, we cannot watch movies we know we won't enjoy. Um, I also realized like as I was watching that I've never watched Beyond the Lights. Have you seen that movie? No, but when I looked her up, I was like, oh, her other big movie is Beyond the Lights, which is supposed to be so good. It's supposed to be really good. And I, I love it's a rom-com though. So maybe you and I just watch it for our own joy. Yeah, no, I I think it's tragedy, actually. I don't know. I honestly don't know much about it. Then it's not but <laughs> but we should watch it. Um Oh, my last note is he should break up with Tyra first. <laughs> Poor Tyra Banks. Poor Tyra. She'll be fine. She'll post one of the most popular reality television shows of all time. With some, let's talk about some problems, all right? So That's, many different blackface <laughs> challenges. There's so many different blackface challenges. Does America's Next Top Model hold up? No. no. Does not. Does not. We'll um, still binge it on a great rainy Saturday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you and Remember I when Tyra put like, on a fat suit? Does Tyra hold up? Yikes, Tyra. Um a problematic fave. All your faves are problematic. Hashtag all your faves are problematic. Um I the other thing, I mean, I I think like we should acknowledge that this is a very black movie. Like there there's no white people in this movie there's like some i guess like her her basketball basketball coach coach, right um who i didn't look this up but i suspect is actually a basketball coach um her acting was kind of stiff a formal basketball player she's also just like a very tall woman like she just looks like she played basketball all tall women were were basketball (laughs) players jane lynch famous i'm looking it up right now i guarantee you that that woman played professional basketball I was very wrong. Mm-hmm. Now we've She's just called this woman's acting stiff for nothing. <laughs> I actually didn't think. I thought she was a very good actor. I mean, she doesn't do a lot. She's just the basketball coach. But, like, she is not a professional basketball player. In fact, she's a Juilliard-trained actor. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Her name's Christine great. Dunford. She was great. Anyway, the point is, there are very... She's the only people. white person in this movie. Yes, there are very few white people in this movie. This movie is not about. I mean, there's like one basketball player. There's like one of her teammates is white, which is not yeah, the I main mean, teammate. They're peppered in there, but like, um, much like in talked, white rom coms, we pepper in black people, right? Um, but and we've talked about this before, like with something new and other movies, but like this this movie is about black love and black joy and you know passion and both like for relationships and and basketball you know like the thing that you're passionate about um movie is about love and basketball (laughs) um and there's i think like in 2000 that's really refreshing there's a the los angeles times did like a a 20 year like retrospective or oral history of love and basketball we'll link to it in the show notes but the the writer or the reporter on the piece talks about how like this like black creators nowadays like Ava DuVernay and Issa Rae particularly like black female creators point to this movie as sort of like the thing that they saw you know in their adolescence or in their early adulthood and thought like okay, I can make, first of all, I can make movies because Gina Prince-Bythewood is making movies and I can make movies about the Black experience, the Black woman experience, and it doesn't have to be about pain Pain. or trauma. It can be about like love and passion and professionalism and like all of those things. And and it can be this sort of like... mm, three-dimensional nuanced portrait of what that experience looks like so anyway we will definitely link to that article yeah and I think like there's something too in the way I wrote down at one point like oh the basis of this movie is like always be my maybe that um Randall Park what's her name Jesus Allie Wong Allie Wong thank you my god that Netflix movie 
like has a very similar it's like a different tonally movie but like the premise the beginning premise is similar in that like their childhood best friends who lose their virginity to each other and then like who do they become as adults and so a way that I was like oh this like in the way that when Harry met Sally you can trace a direct line from when Harry met Sally to boys and girls to sleeping with other people like you can trace a line from this to always be my maybe to so many other like young love into adult love stories like there's a mm-hmm. there's a, a sort of like when you look at the story and you're like oh it's a story about like two people who like were friends as ch- children and fell in love and it's like yeah but like that like those other stories existed because this existed mm-hmm. um i just think like i think we need to unpack as a culture why gina prince brythewood does not get the same level of sort of like cultural touchstoniness that like Nora Ephron does yeah yeah we've said the same thing about like Malcolm D. Lee you know is I mean I think certainly in the black community they both do but like in sort of our white conversations why are we not including those names along with Nora Ephron and Richard Curtis and whomever else right yeah um we liked it (laughs) we liked it very little criticism it holds up i still don't understand how to play basketball it holds up the rules of basketball they keep calling her a forward and i'm like can someone tell me what that means in a position because i don't know but you also don't need to know like no there's not i'm not saying the movie lacks and i'm saying i'm an idiot about sports yeah what are we watching next week Next week, we are watching very similar to sort of like a very naturalistic, grounded rom-com. We're going to be watching Enchanted. Oh, gosh. The opposite. We're going the opposite direction. We're going full Disney princess. But speaking of Tay Diggs, that movie does star his ex-wife. Adele Nazim. Uh, Adele Nazim. (laughs) The wickedly talented Adele Nazim. Also, Amy Adams and James Marston. And if there was ever a way for Carrie to bring it back to Shondaland, the weak link of the movie, one Mr. Patrick Dempsey. Exactly. We won't Everyone even just... have to look at, like, you know, obscure tertiary characters to find the Shondaland link. No, but talk uh, about, like, a fucking powerhouse cast and then, like, oh, so Dempsey. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll get into that. We'll get into that in two weeks. In the meantime, where can people find us? <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on Twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcast. And you can rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts because we like reading your reviews if they're yes. nice. Yes. Keep it to yourself if they're negative. I don't have the time. Right. And tell us what you think of love and basketball. Not yeah. in love and basketball. <laughs> or for love and basketball. I never Just thought it was that. Love and basketball. Because I, the line that they refer to is all's fair in love and basketball. So like the in is coming from somewhere. Right. You're thinking of uh, for love in the game. For the love of the game. Which is a baseball movie, not a basketball movie. <laughs> it's all sports. Right. Okay. Bye. Great, bye. <laughs> <laughs>